Benedict XVI has been very busy lately. In addition to helping found a journalism school in Germany, which I reported on last week, Benedict has penned a book with Cardinal Sarah that repudiates one of the themes and suggestions from the Amazon Synod, and in so doing may put him squarely against Francis in a very public manner. While it is always surprising when Benedict takes one of these public stands against the ruling regime, what isn't surprising is the response he gets from the modernist public Catholics, who all to a person run to defend the program at Francis and call any statements made against it from Benedict an attack on, the, on Francis. This is an interesting story to say the least, with implications for the potential future election of Cardinal Sarah to the papacy, as well as of course projecting an image of a divided church for all the public to see, which is a scandal itself. So let's have a look at this story, because if you haven't heard about this by now, you probably should have. Our story broke over the weekend, as these things often do. Cardinal Sarah has been a vocal defender of clerical celibacy, and has already publicly stood against any and all attempts to undermine or end the practice, going so far as to call for an end to the married priesthood in the eastern rites of the church. And I'm sure that endeared him to the Byzantines and other Easterners. Those statements, like his new book, were made in response to the proposed revolution that came from the Amazon Synod. Or perhaps it'd be better to say a proposed furthering of the revolution that came from Vatican II. Any way you look at it, the Amazon Synod's proposed sweeping changes that cannot be considered to be in line with the traditions of the Catholic Church, in more ways than the idol worship we saw, which for many people, people served as a major distraction from the sweeping changes pushed by the Amazon Synod organizers. So when Benedict XVI and Cardinal Sarah joined forces to write a book for the general public, openly defending clerical celibacy, and openly rejecting calls for the latest push by the modernists to end the practice, the screeching that came from the likes of professional Francis fan fiction writer Austin Ivray and others featured the typical personal attacks against those who would dare to speak against the already canonized in their hearts Francis, with many suggesting that Benedict is too feeble to write books now, and is being abused by unscrupulous actors like Cardinal Sarah for their own political ends. In a weird twist, Ivra even said that this turn of events should push Francis to prevent future emeritus popes from ever being something the church deals with again. Something I actually agree with 100%. But let's look at what caused such a storm of verbal diarrhea from the modernists, because these statements don't seem that controversial to me in the slightest. I'll quote the LifeSite piece in the book after having read through a French language article on the same work. Quote, titled, from the Depths of Our Hearts, the new book by Pope Emeritus and the Prefect for the Congregation of Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments will first be released in French on January 15th. Quote, the ability to renounce marriage in order to place oneself totally at the Lord's disposal is a criterion for the priestly ministry, Benedict XVI writes in the new book. As for the concrete form of celibacy in the ancient church, it should also be pointed out that married men could only receive the sacrament of holy orders if they had committed themselves to sexual abstinence, that is to say, to a Josephite marriage. Such a situation seems to have been quite normal during the first centuries. End quote. To the ears of the modernists, this is, a this is tantamount to heresy, for the modern mind is obsessed with sex, and as such cannot fathom that celibacy is the highest state someone can pursue. And I didn't say that, by the way, St. Paul did, so take it up with him. The Church merely affirms what sacred scripture teaches about celibacy and makes it a requirement for the priesthood. 
We know that there have been calls to relax or even eliminate the practice, even among some self-described traditional Catholics. In a totally predictable twist, though, when Francis said that the practice of clerical celibacy may be waived for priests in remote regions, like the Pacific Islands or the Amazon or Africa, the German bishops, in a totally unexpected move, said that if that happened, they'd push for married clergy in Germany as well. Totally unexpected. Except by me, of course, as I predicted this during the Synod before the Germans announced it publicly. Anyone could see this would be the case, as ending the practice of clerical celibacy has been on the docket for the modernists since the revolution of the 1960s. The LifeSite article has this to say about Francis's public stance on clerical celibacy. Quote, it is unknown where exactly Pope Francis stands on the issue of opening an exception for married clergy in the Latin Church. On January 27, 2019, during an in-flight press conference on his return from Panama, Francis said he personally believes, quote, celibacy is a gift to the church and does not agree with allowing celibacy as an option. But he added that he might envisage some possibilities for some very remote places, like the Pacific Islands, where there is a, quote-unquote, pastoral necessity. This stance was reflected in the final document of the Amazon Synod. In section 111 of the document, which passed by a two-thirds majority, the authors state, quote, We appreciate celibacy as a gift of God to the extent that this gift enables the missionary disciple ordained to the priesthood to dedicate himself fully to the service of the holy people of God, end quote. Now I offer those words so I can't be accused of misrepresenting what Francis said about the issue himself. But on to the book. Here is what the authors had to say early in the work on why they chose to write and release it now. Quote, I cannot keep silent. I know how pernicious, silent, pernicious silence would be for me, for I do not wish to wallow in ecclesiastical honors, but I think that it is to Christ, the first of the pastors, that I will have to give an account of the sheep entrusted to my care. I cannot keep silent or claim ignorance. End quote. It's probably from Cardinal Sarah, and it is an interesting statement given that some observers have said that this book will simultaneously make Cardinal Sarah likely the most electable figure in the next conclave, and the least electable figure as well. Here are a couple of direct excerpts from the book to end this on. You can read all the excerpts on the LifeSite article, which I have linked on the sources blog, returntotradition.org. The words attributed to Benedict XVI under the subheading of ontological abstinence, we get the following, quote, The daily celebration of the Eucharist, which implies a permanent state of service to God, does not spontaneously leave the impossibility of a matrimonial bond. It can be said that sexual abstinence, which was functional, has transformed itself into ontological abstinence. Nowadays, it is too easily claimed that all this is simply the consequence of disregard for corporeality and sexuality. Such a judgment is erroneous. To prove this, we need only recall that the Church has always considered marriage as a gift granted by God from heaven on earth. However, the conjugal state concerns man in his totality. And since the service of the Lord also requires the total gift of man, it does not seem possible to realize the two vocations simultaneously. Thus, the ability to renounce marriage in order to place oneself totally at the Lord's disposal is a criterion for the priestly ministry. As for the concrete form of celibacy in the ancient church, it should be pointed out that married men could only receive the sacrament of holy orders if they had committed themselves to sexual abstinence, that is to say, to a Josephite marriage. Such a situation seems to have been quite normal during the first centuries. End quote. Also attributed to Benedict XVI, we get the following under the heading of Renunciation of All Compromise. Quote, Without the renunciation of material goods, there can be no priesthood. 
The call to follow Jesus is not possible without this sign of freedom and renunciation of all compromise. I believe that celibacy has great significance as the abandonment of a possible earthly domain in the circle of family life. Celibacy even becomes truly indispensable so that our journey towards God can remain the foundation of our life and express itself concretely. This means, of course, that celibacy must permeate all the attitudes of life with its demands. It cannot attain its full meaning if we conform to the rules of property and the attitudes of life commonly practiced today. There can be no stability if we do not put our union with God at the center of our lives. End quote. This is an interesting statement given the rise of celebrity priests and bishops who seem to have at the very least an outward interest in material wealth that is unseemly for a priest of, the, of Christ to be engaged in. And I almost wonder if it is a statement meant to prick their consciences as well. Finally, an excerpt attributed to Cardinal Serra under the heading of No Second Class Priests, which has been a source of controversy for the modernists in the media. Quote, Priestly celibacy, well understood, if it is sometimes a trial, is a liberation. It allows the priest to establish himself coherently in his identity as spouse of the church. The project of depriving communities and priests of this joy is not a work of mercy. I cannot in conscience, as a son of Africa, support the idea that the peoples on the road to evangelization should be deprived of this encounter with a priesthood lived to the full. The peoples of Amazonia have the right to a full experience of Christ the Bridegroom. They cannot be offered second-class priests. On the contrary, the younger a church is, the more it needs to meet the radicality of the gospel. End quote. And there you have it. Cardinal Sarah is not one of mince words, and he is absolutely correct. The celibate priest is the embodiment of the radical nature of the gospel. This issue is one of making compromises with the world, and as Our Lady said in numerous warnings for our times, the church today would be filled with men who make compromises, and that they are not to be trusted. Do not be one of those compromisers with the world. But anyway, these statements of Benedict and Sarah are the kinds that cause the modernist mind to squirm, and especially to react with outrage mostly expressed on everyone's favorite platform for unthinkingly expressing ideas. Twitter. <laughs> Austin Everett has never hidden his disdain for Benedict XVI, and his tweets drive that point home. In, his fir in, a, in the first, he calls ending the emeritus pontificate, presumably after Benedict's inevitable passing, Francis's likely last reform. In others, he calls into question Benedict's autonomy on this issue, going so far as to suggest that he has been turned into a puppet by some forces in the Vatican who wish to do our saintly and totally error-free pontiff great harm. It is this kind of thinking and these kinds of thoughtless public statements that make it difficult to take it very seriously as anything other than a propagandist for the modernist cause. Now remember, Twitter is a very public pr uh, platform where those tweets can get millions of views. The other source that is laughable in its critique of this book is the article from American Magazine. I am not going to quote it at length, but if given a surface read, it seems respectful of Benedict. But when you carefully read it, you notice that the author is careful to point out Benedict's age of 93 years and how Vatican insiders are surprised that he wrote a book, saying that his health is such that he can barely stay conscious for more than half an hour at a time. And other such nonsense meant to undermine the authority of Benedict and to imply that it is merely a feeble old man being abused by the wicked Cardinal Sarah. It is a narrative being adopted by other defenders of the status quo as well, and it's worth noting so that you and I don't fall into the trap these people are weaving and their desire to see the revolution in the church continue to its next logical place. I could go on and on with this. There are nearly countless examples of modernists yelling about the temerity of Benedict XVI to do anything other than support the likely outcome of the soon-to-be-released apostolic exhortation. From Francis, that will be the end product of the Amazon Synod. 
between openly calling into question his loyalty to Francis and the attacks on his and Cardinal Sarah's character. The response is as already expected. In full book, the full book review hasn't even been released as of the producing of this video, though the book is set to be released today, January 15th, though it will be released at least initially in French. Let me know if you end up reading this book when it is released and send me your thoughts on it. I'm not literate in French, so I'll need to wait for an English translation to do the book any real justice. But let me know your thoughts in the comments below about this growing and obvious split between Francis and Benedict. Where do you think this will lead? And please, keep praying for Benedict and Sarah and the rest who dare to stand in public opposition to the radical program being pushed in Rome now. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Viva Cristo Rey.